Y'all, I probably don't even need this microphone. <laughs> Thank you, Carla. That was that was, that was very gracious. Um, I am married to a really amazing preacher, and I do have two really amazing daughters um, and a son-in-law, uh, and that took a little while to get used to because I was accustomed to saying, let's go, girls, and he says, and Sam. <laughs> um, I am super excited about the topics that I was assigned, um, Psalm 8 and Psalm 19, and after uh, these, these I, after I I got these two psalms, and then even after the uh, the manuscripts were submitted, my husband surprised me. So this has been a little bit of a whirlwind trip because we started in Bowling Green, Kentucky. We live in West Palm Beach, Florida, which is way down south. Um, and then we he preached a, a weekend seminar this last Sunday with the Lehman Avenue Congregation in Bowling Green, Kentucky, which was really exciting. It was supposed to be a gospel meeting and go from Sunday to Thursday, uh, Wednesday night, and then we were going to come straight here. But then, in July, it shifted a little bit, and it went from a gospel meeting to a weekend seminar. So we had Friday night, Saturday night, and then Sunday, churchy church. Y'all know if that is, right? Um, so we were done at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and, and we didn't have to be here until, like, Thursday night, Friday morning. And David said, I'm going to take you to Yellowstone. And I was like, because <laughs> I'd never been further west than the Arch over in St. Louis. And y'all know what they got in Yellowstone? All kinds of really pretty things to take pictures of. Uh, so I did. And my husband is so gracious because we get, you know, we pull off to the thing that we're going to take pictures of and then he just stands there while I take pictures for 20 minutes and check to make sure I got it right. Uh, so we had a lot of fun. But you know what I saw a lot of? Some really amazing things that made me think a lot about what David wrote in Psalm 8 and Psalm 19. Um, yesterday morning, we were in West Yellowstone, uh, which is outside the park, and we got up at four o'clock in the morning. Um, and we, because we were going to drive up to catch our, uh, the last thing we had to do was just catch our flight and get out. But we we planned it so that we could drive through the park and out to Bozeman to the airport. And we left super early because sometimes you can get stuck in a bison jam. Yeah, that's a real thing. Um, so we we it's like five o'clock in the morning when we get into the park proper. And I said to David, "Honey, you got to pull up, pull the car over." We pulled the car over because the sky was just black but filled with stars. It looked like somebody had taken some diamonds and chucked them out on a big uh, black velvet um, piece of cloth, right? And it was silent. It was just, I mean, we've got pretty skies in, in, in Florida. We're right on the beach, right? You can see the skies and the moon over the water and that's gorgeous. But the sound of the ocean waves is, is crashing and that's a really beautiful thing. But this, this silence and all of that inky black sky and all of those sparkling stars. It was one of the most moving, most beautiful things that I can recall seeing. Seeing the, the trees, like, you know, the, the silhouettes of the trees up over the, those skies. And this is what David talked about. This is what David talked about. I wonder how many times as a young shepherd, David was laying out in the field, maybe had his head pillowed on the back of a sheep, you know, looking up at those stars, looking up at those heavens and thinking, that's my God. That's the God who created me. And that's what I want us to talk about this morning. For just a minute, really fast, I want to, I want to read to you, because this is a really short psalm, I want to read this psalm, Psalm chapter 8, Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, 
How excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him, for you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. See, here's what happened. David looks up at the sky. He looks up at the heavens and he says, it's not enough for us to just look up at this amazing amazing creation that God has made. It demands a response. And David says that, that when we are faced with the greatness of our God, the response that it demands is praise. Praise and honor and just awe in the face of our Father. So we're going to look at that just a little bit this morning. We're going to look at, at the greatness of our God in three ways. In the first way, we're going to talk about how God's character is great. David starts out by talking about the Lord's name. How excellent is your name in all the earth. Um, his very name is excellent. We know his name, don't we? The covenant name Jehovah. Um, this is this is the, uh, the the name that God gave Moses when when Moses argued back with God and said, "I can't go down and talk to Pharaoh. What am I supposed to tell him?" And God God answered all of of Moses's objections. And then Moses said, "Who shall I say sent me?" And God said, "I am." What is that? mean. Um, at, at my home congregation, uh, I interpret for the, for our deaf members on uh, when, when we're in a rotation. And deaf people are very, very literal. Um, and they also use a lot of shorthand. So when you're trying to sign to somebody, it, 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 a lot of times it's, it's, it's translation into an entirely different language. Uh, for example, a deaf person, if you, if you say to a deaf person, I am going to the store to go grocery shopping, that's a whole lot of English words. A deaf person would say, I shop. And that's it, right? They don't use am, they don't use is, usually don't use be. And if you try to spell that out to them, they're like, "What? Is, that's just extra words we don't need. So trying to get across the concept of I am when you're signing. And we sing the Church Christ National Anthem, right, number 523. <laughs> there is a God. And, and in the chorus it says, the great I am, we sign always God. Because he was. Even before the beginning, he was God. And he created everything that you see. And he will be throughout eternity our Father, our Lord, our Sovereign. But he is now my God. And he is watching over me. And he is protecting me. And he is taking care of me. God's very name is a covenant promise. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7 the, uh, the the Israelites were cautioned against taking that name in vain. Um, this psalm is a prayer and a song, and it begins with praise for God's name. We see we see this echoed when Jesus is teaching his apostles to pray in uh, in Matthew chapter six and verse nine. What does he say? Hallowed be your name. We don't use that word. We say holy. 
God's name is holy. Um, but he's not. To, it's really interesting in this psalm that David, in our English, when we say, Oh Lord, our Lord, and we know those words because we sing them in so many different songs. But this, this in the Hebrew is two different words, right? It's not, it's not Lord and Lord. It's Jehovah and Adonai. And that word, Jehovah is God's name. Adonai is a description. Who is he? He is ruler. He is sovereign. He is Lord. Do we treat him like that? I mean, how many times have you heard folks down in Christendom begging people to accept Jesus as their personal Savior? Right? We want a Savior. But are we willing to submit ourselves to a Lord? David says, our Lord's name is excellent. And he can't help but think of that when he stands and looks up at the heavens, right? But more than just having a great name, our God is the great God. His character is great. We see that in in uh, chapter eight or Psalm eight and verse one. But listen, Isaiah chapter fifty-five and verse nine tells us this: For as the heavens are higher than the earth, what we know this verse, so are my ways higher than your ways. He is great. He is. Is the great God. He creates. I mean, it's hard for us not to look out at these mountains and think, wow, God. It's hard for me. The first time David took me home to meet his mom and daddy in West Palm Beach, Florida, and I said, you have to take me to the ocean. Listen, if you live next to the ocean, you get inert to it, right? And you're like, yeah, okay, we go to the... Here's when I go to the ocean these days. Because you get sandy when you go to the ocean, and it's a lot of work to go down there. Um, I go when I have a senior portrait session, because everybody wants to have their senior portraits done at the beach. And we go and we have visitors from out of town, right? Because because I made him take me to the ocean, and I stood there at the ocean, and I thought, how? How can anybody stand before this kind of grandeur, before this kind of amazing awesomeness, and not think, wow, God made that. He creates. Genesis chapter 1, the very first chapter in your Bible, is the absolute best bedtime story you can tell your children. God created everything that you see and it's amazing. He's not just great because he creates. He provides. Um, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 is a promise, isn't it? It's a conditional promise. Do you tell you give conditional promises to your kids? If you clean up your room if you, if, then comma, I will give you ice cream. If you finish all of your homework, then you can watch an hour of television, right? God gives us a conditional promise in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. If you seek first the kingdom of God, which is really seeking first God, isn't it? If you put me first, God says, then what? I will provide for you. All these things that you're worried about, how you're going to eat, how you're going to live, what roof's going to be over your head, all of those things that we get all worried up in our heads about, God says, those are the wrong things for you to be focused on. What should we be focused on, girls? Seeking Him first and His kingdom. And our great God will provide for us. Our great God has saved us. And we do not deserve it. We don't. Um, Every day, 
every day I fall short and every day I do things ahead of the things that I should be doing. I put things before God. I put things before my Bible study. I put. I, I am lazy sometimes. And we all do those things, do we not? Because we're people and we fall short. But what does God do in the midst of all of that? He saves us. He sent Jesus. He planned to send Jesus to save us long before, long before we were even here. And Jesus became human. We think about the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, and that was a sacrifice because it was a horrible, awful, terrible way to die. It was a horrible and awful way to spend a couple of days, right? He was beaten. He was hurt. He was, his friends left him. We think about that part of Jesus' sacrifice. Jesus is God. And he came to live here. Do you like living here? A lot of times it's really hard as Christians to live in this world, isn't it? Because it's filthy. And people say things around you. People say things in restaurants now that, I, 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 you know, that if they had said when I was a little girl growing up in Henderson, Tennessee, I would have been appalled and my mom and daddy would have just picked us up and walked out of the restaurant, right? And that's just conversation these days. The people who were sitting behind us on the airplane, I, I, forgot, I forgot to bring my headphones on this trip, which was a bad trip to forget your headphones on because it was so long. It's horrible. The kind of world that we are living in and it makes us uncomfortable, doesn't it? Can you imagine how uncomfortable God must have been living in a human shell? That is a sacrifice that he made and he remembers that because aren't we promised in the New Testament that he's an advocate for us because he was in all points tempted just like you, just like us. He has saved us, our great God. He has created us, He provides for us, and He saves us. But more than just God's character being great, we're going to think for a few minutes this morning about how, cre- his, how great His creative might is. What do I mean by that? Anybody in here, y'all got hobbies? Where are my crafty people? Come on, some of y'all do crafty stuff. You know you do. I'm very crafty. Um, I became a photographer because I was a scrapbooker. Uh, yeah, those people are crazy. Um, <laughs> I, you, you've seen hoarders, right? I, we moved the, the house that we moved into, and I, I, I wanted this house the very, very most because it had an upstairs loft into which I could spread all of my scrapbook stuff, and it would no longer be in the living room, so we had to just throw a sheet over it whenever we had company come in. Yeah, I was that person. Um, because I'm very passionate about saving my family's memories. Um, it's not at all that I'm just passionate about buying really cool scrapbook supplies whenever I walk through Michael's. Don't judge me. <laughs> we, we like being creative, don't we? Uh, we're creative in the kitchen. Like we, we love to, those of us, we love to bake, we love to cook. Um, some of us are crafty with our little kids and we look at things on Pinterest that, that can keep them occupied in church. Or we like, even when we were little, we liked to color and we were so excited when we learned to color inside the lines because we are creative beings. Where do you think we got that? A lot of times we think about the power of God creating things. But think about God's creativity. The imagination. The imagination that it took to create all of this. David and I were, were sitting at the... We hiked all the 
the way down. There was a bunch of switchbacks. And you know what I discovered on this trip? I am way out of shape. <laughs> and it's way higher up in elevation here <laughs> and in Yellowstone Park than it is right next to the beach in West Palm Beach. Um, but so we, we were up at the, at, the, at, the, at the brink of the lower falls. And I looked way down and I said, honey, you can go way down there to the river. And he said, yay. <laughs> so we hiked all the way down the river and we got down there and I just flooded with tears. And there's a bench right there for folks who get overwhelmed. <laughs> and so we're sitting there, we're sitting on that bench and I, David, was, David and I were sitting there for a few minutes to, to hold her. He, he was holding my hand. I kept telling the folks who were huffing and puffing back up the, I was like, listen, there's a whole bunch, it's a hard trip. There's a whole bunch of places where you can sit and enjoy the sound of the river. <laughs> They're like, yes. We're sitting there enjoying the sound of the river. And I said, can we pray? And I was just weepy. And I said to David, I said, can you think about the imagination that it took for a God to think up dirt and to think up water and to think up rocks and trees and throw it all into this and create this? Look at this. I, we create paintings of things that God made and we pat ourselves on the back for our creativity, right? Our God has an imagination like nothing you've ever seen. Um, even the smallest things, though, David says, speak of his power. God said, David says in this psalm, out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, your enemies are silenced. What does that mean? It means how can you look at a newborn baby and not be captivated by the creative might of our powerful God. One of, the, one of, the, one of my most favorite sermons that David ever preached. Uh, we had some friends in West Palm Beach, Florida who had just had a baby. This was his very first trip to church. So he was maybe two weeks old, three weeks old, around in that range. And his dad, and he shouldn't have, his dad was sitting on the end of the pew, which is probably smart because if you got to take the baby out, you want to be on the end. You know what else might happen? The preacher might take your baby away from you in the middle of his sermon. Um, and he did. David was preaching about the evidence of, of God's existence, right? And David walks over to pick the baby up. And the dad was like... <laughs> And he was like holding on, like not letting the baby go. And you can look this lesson up on YouTube and it is hilarious. David said, he said, it's okay, I'll give it back. And I've held babies before. <laughs> so David's preaching, right? He's, he's got his clicker in this hand and he's got the football hold going on with his brand new baby over here and the parents are going. <laughs> and David said, this is Levi's first sermon. He is preaching the existence of God just by laying here being cute. How can you look at a newborn baby and not think, wow, God, these gorgeous children we have back here. How can we look at those and not think these are a gift to us from our Creator, from our Father? The mouths of babies and nursing infants silence God's enemies because they cannot answer how this came to be. They just can't. Our God 
is a creative power. Even the smallest things speak of this. The creation itself speaks of his existence. And we've talked about that quite a bit. Um, Romans 1 and verse 20 is one of my most favorite verses in the Bible. And we will hit this one again in the afternoon. We talk about Psalm 19. But you know what Paul says? You know what I love about Paul? Paul does not pull any punches. He just says it. And he says it outright. If you get offended, then he'll send you 2 Corinthians, right? (laughs) And Paul says to to, to the to the Romans, he says, listen, you're without excuse. We who stand in the, pow- in, in, in the face of God's creation, we who stand at Yellowstone and look at these amazing waterfalls, we who stand here in Denver and look off into the, into the distance at the mountains, we who stand in West Palm Beach, Florida, at the edge of the ocean that God created, we who stand in front of all of those things and we don't say, wow, God, you do not have any excuse, Paul says, because all of those things preach the existence of God. He is a creative might and a creator. He made you. He decided whether or not you were going to have blonde hair, blue eyes, brown hair, curly hair. He decided long before you ever got here who your parents would be. He put us here. He put Jesus here. He created an earth that is perfect for us. The intricacies of his design. Have you ever designed something? Uh, Yes, because every one of you have a living room, don't you? So you decided where your couch was going to go. You decided where your chairs were going to go. You've designed something. We all have designed something. Perhaps we've designed what we're going to have for dinner and and where you're going to put it on your plate. It's innate within us to design things, but the design that our creator made, the intricacies of um, this 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 psalm talks about the paths of the sea. And perhaps you've heard the story before. We hear that and we think, oh, that's really pretty poetry, right? The paths of the sea. But Matthew Fontaine Murray, who at the age of 19 went into the U.S. Navy back in the 1800s, right? In the 1800s. He read these words and he didn't just think, wow, that's pretty lyrical. Wow, that's really pretty poetry. He thought, huh, I wonder what the paths in the sea are. Girls, every word in your Bible is inspired and is a message from God. And Matthew Fontaine Murray thought, huh, reckon what the paths of the sea means. He didn't just read over that like we do, don't we? Got to read that chapter to get to the end of the year, right? (laughs) Matthew Fontaine Murray didn't just read over Psalm 8. He meditated on it and he thought on it. And he invented, he was, he is kind of seen as the father of oceanography. What's oceanography? The charting of the ocean maps, right? Paths of the sea. The intricacies of what our God has created astound us. If you read, if, you, if y'all are not, if you do not have the AP, the Apologetic Express app on your phone, you should stop what you're doing right now and you should go download it. Like right now, even while I'm talking, and I give you permission to get your phones out. Because it's one of the most uplifting things you can have on your phone. Uh, encouraging, edifying, and faith building. And the folks over at AP has, have told us so many amazing things about the perfection of creation. Y'all know we are in the exact right spot in the universe, the universe, think about that for a minute that God created, the exact right spot in the universe so that we're not too close to the sun and we burn up. Y'all ever had a sunburn? Yeah, we're in the exact right spot in the universe so that we don't burn up too close to the sun. We're the exact right spot in the universe so that we're not too far away from the sun and we freeze. 
we turn, the earth turns at the exact right tilt, the exact right angle, at the exact right rotation. God didn't just create something. He created something perfect. Your body, and maybe it, maybe it doesn't feel like it some days, right? Like after I huffed and puffed my way up two mountains and, and by a couple of rivers, I was like, this body's out of shape. Well, that's on me. God created your body perfectly. You think about watching a child learn how to walk, the balance that is required, and now we don't even think about it. Do you think about breathing only when I'm going up a mountain? <laughs> You don't think about it, do you? Why? Because God created all of your systems, all of your inner parts. He knitted you together perfectly, and you are a perfect design. The intricacies of God's creative might are amazing and speak to his power. The perfection of creation, it's evidence. And we talked about that just a little bit. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17 is a really faith-building verse. Our universe is created perfectly. But listen to why. He is the image of the invisible God, Jesus is, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were by him all things were created in heaven and in earth. All, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, but this is what I want you to think about. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. God holds us together. He holds my body together, and he keeps me breathing, and I don't even think about it. And he makes sure that when I put a foot in front of myself, I don't fall over because I am perfectly balanced. Right? He makes sure that my heart keeps beating and pumping that blood into the places where it's supposed to go. But not just me. All of you. All of us. And not just our bodies. Our earth is perfection. Spinning in the exact right way to keep us going until he returns. And he holds it together. You, you, you've seen, yeah, because we got the stock photography, right? But you've seen the pictures of an earth cupped in a pair of hands, right? And that's a fun piece of stock photography. But you think about that. God, Christ, holds us together. God's creative might is great. And that is the message that David gives us here in Psalm 8. The creativity of God is faith building. He made me. He made you. He, the imagination that it took to bring us into existence, to bring the world into existence. Um, think about this. Uh, this verse talks about the work of his fingers. And again, we think about that as being lyr- lyrical, right? Poetic. This same verse occurs uh, in other places where it talks about skilled craftsmen, artisans. Remember when, when they all came to the tabernacle and some of them were building these things with gold and some of them were building these things with wood and some of them were sewing these things up with tapestries? What were they using to do that? Their fingers. David talks about God's fingers creating the world. I think about speaking the world into existence. I can't do that. Boy, I wish I could. I wish I could have said to my kids, clean your room and it'll be done, right? (laughs) Sometimes it'd be nice to come home after work or after whatever and be like, dinner. (laughs) That's what DoorDash is. Um, God said, light. And it came on. 
God said trees, flowers, Yellowstone, right? I keep coming back to that because I was just so in awe of what God created. And we think about the amount of time it takes us to, how long does it make, take to make a quilt? How long does it take to make a scrapbook is a whole long time because I work on it a little bit at a time when I've got, you know, 10 minutes here or there. Those are works of our fingers, and they take us a very long time to do. It took God seven, six days to do all of this, and then he rested. Real quick, that word rested... You know when we were talking about how God si- how babies silence silence God's enemies? It's that same word. Shut it down. That's what it means. When God finished creating all of this perfection, he shut it down. He rested. The enemies of God are shut down in the face of his creative mind. That's the God that you serve. That is the God that we serve. His creative might is great. But finally, David says, so what does that mean for us? God didn't just, he isn't just great. He is. His character is great. And he didn't just create the world and and, and put it here for us to enjoy. God's creative might is great. But God loves you, and God is concerned about you. David said, what is man that you are mindful of him? That word, mindful, I mean, we know that, right? Genesis 1, 26 and 27 tells us what? We are created in his image. He made us in his image. Um, in, in, in Tennessee, we would say, and, and, I'm, and for years, I said it incorrectly because I was taught it incorrectly. Y'all heard the, the term spit and image, right? And we think, why are people spitting? It's because people in Tennessee can't, can't bring it, it to themselves to use all of the letters when they can put a contraction, right? Y'all know, y'all, that's, that's, that's you all, right? That's, that's singular, by the way, because plural is all y'all. <laughs> Spit an image, spirit and image. We are the spirit and image of our Father. He created us in His image and breathed into us a spirit. We are the only creation, the only creature that is just like Him because we have spirits that long after our bodies have decayed and gone into the ground, will go to heaven with Him. Our spirits will linger. He gave that to us. But David says, not only is he, that that term mindful, we think about mindful and we think about minding the children, right? Paying attention to them. This word actually means visit, right? Or uh, remembers. We're going to get to visit in a minute. This word means remembers. Do you, do you, and it's not like God forgot, right? David's not saying God forgot his people and then, oh yeah, hey, there's my people over there. No. Do you remember your children? (laughs) Right? Um, Lori, thank you, just a minute ago was talking to us about how radiant she is to think about getting to see her children again. And her kids, she, it sounded like are still in college. I've got one still in college, um, and we're 16 hours away. But I remember Kelly a lot. I remember Kelly all day long. Like, we have family group chats that keep us going, and they're hysterical, right? We remember our children, and it's not that we forgot them. It's that we keep them in the forefront of our minds. The, the Old Testament is, is, is just full of times that it tells us that God remembered his people. I want us to look at just a couple of those. Um, In Genesis 19 and verse 29, when God destroyed the cities of the plain, God remembered Abraham.
Abraham, right? And he sent Lot out of the midst. In Genesis 30 and verse 22, God remembered Rachel. You think Rachel was excited that God remembered her? Why did God remember Rachel? She hadn't had any kids yet, right? And she was watching her sister, her sister wife, and that's a whole nother sermon, like having all these kids. And God remembered Rachel and sent her Joseph, who eventually brought about the salvation of his people and eventually brought about... I mean, you look at the history of the Old Testament. God's remembering Abraham and God's remembering Rachel brought about the process that brought Jesus into the world. God has never forgotten us. He remembers us all the time. And David says, what are we that he would remember us? Um, Not just Abraham and Rachel. Um, God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in Exodus 2 when the people came out of Egypt. In Luke chapter 1, Mary, and we sing Magnificat, right? We sing Mary's song. Mary says, in the face of getting, in the face of the news that she was about to bring forth into the world the Son of God. How did you take that news? I was I was I was nervous about about the two that he gave me. Um, but here's what here, here's here's how I fixed that. I tell my girls all the time. I said, here's what happened. I chose for you the very best possible father you could have possibly had. So you're welcome. That is my that that is what I have done for you as a mother. <laughs> God, Mary looks and says, God remembered His people in His mercy. And he sent us Jesus. God remembers us. He has always remembered his people. But we look at the creation and David says, why would he remember us? What are we that he would remember us? We are. He answered our question back with the first one. He remembered us because we are in his image. He loves us. We don't deserve it. But that's the kind of God that he is. Um, He visits his people. He cares for his people. Um, This is not sitting on a pew after after church visiting with your girlfriends, right? This is is, he he takes care of us. Um, 1 Peter 5, verses 6 through 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Doing what? Casting all your care on him. Why? Because he cares about you. Do you care about your kids? Yes. And now that my children are not in my house anymore, when listen, I step out of whatever I'm doing if my kids call on the phone. I, I, I'm sorry, but Katie has called and Katie hardly ever gets a chance to call because now she's grown up and she's working in the real world and she has real world hours and I can't call her in the middle of the day anymore. Right? So when Katie calls me, I pick up that phone. You know what? God wants to hear from you just as much as you want to hear from your kids. How happy is God when we figuratively pick up the phone and talk to Him? The Bible is full of examples of God telling us, talk to me, pray to me, conversation with me, relationship. And He's put it out there just waiting for us. And we do not avail ourselves of that opportunity nearly as much as we should or could. Can you pick up your phone and call the president? Boy, wouldn't that be nice. <laughs> Here's what I think you ought to do. <laughs> right? You can't call the governor. You can, I couldn't even call the president of the company that I work for part-time because they're so far up there, right? 
right? But I can talk to the creator of the universe anytime that I want. Anytime that I want. Um, I know a lady who talks to God so much, she like, she's driving down the road and she says, Oh dear Lord, thank you for that clear lane. I have the sweetest little... Back at home, there's a, a sweet little lady at church who adopted me when my children were ages two and three. Um, uh, uh, her name is Elizabeth, and she's from El Salvador, and I refer to her as my mommy. Uh, she's my little Latin mommy. Um, and she, she says more than any other person I know, oh, thank you, Lord. Like, that is just, you know, I will say, I'll say, how are you doing today, mommy? Did you have a good day? She says, oh, yes, I am having a wonderful day. Thank you, Lord. Like, that is just a part of her vernacular. She is constantly talking to God. She is constantly thanking God. You know, we are so grateful to have David, she says to me. We are so grateful to have the kind of preaching that we get. Thank you, Lord. Are we doing that? Is that just a part of our vernacular, a part of our thought process? God wants to hear from you because he cares for you. Um, God's concern for us is so great. He has blessed us in so many ways. Um, Genesis 2 and verse 7 talks about how he breathed into us his actual breath, the breath of God, the breath of life. We have spirit. Um, Philippians 4 and verse 19 says that God shall supply all my need. Um, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 says that He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. I think about the the verse that says, um, uh, to Him who is able to do... That would be enough, right? God is able. That's enough. But He can do immeasurably more. Well, that's pretty awesome, right? God can do so much more than all I ask or even imagine. Can you not look back in your... If we, we get super... We want to be careful about not saying, oh, God did that, right? Because we want to be careful. But isn't it so easy for us to look backwards in our lives? And how can we not see the providence of a God that cares for us and watches over us and takes care of us and helps us and watches over us and puts people in our lives to lead us and encourage us and take care of us? John chapter 10 Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. God is concerned about you. He sits in heaven worrying about not worrying, focusing on you. And when you pray, He stops to listen to see what you need. Now, are we telling Him that? What do we do when we pray? We, do we give him a laundry list of things? You know, oh dear Lord, can you please watch over this person, this person? We got the prayer list, and we should have that. I'm not saying we shouldn't. How often do we have the thank you list, right? When I was a very little girl, my parents did such a great job of teaching me the power of prayer. Miss Beth had cancer. I don't even know what Miss Beth looked like. I don't know that I actually knew Miss Beth, but every night, I was about four years old, five years old, we prayed for Miss Beth. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed, and it was just a part of our evening before we went to bed. Oh, and dear Lord, please watch over Miss Beth who has cancer. Miss Beth, in 1980-whatever, her cancer was cured. And I was convinced that it was because I prayed every night and God listened to me and answered my prayer. Little four-year-old Tracy, right? There were a lot of people praying for this bed. But what a powerful lesson. Are we teaching that lesson to our children? God cares about you and He's listening to you. What do we need to tell God today? What do we want to tell God today? What are we excited to tell God today? And as we 
grow? Have we forgotten that excitement that we can talk to the Creator who is concerned for us? Our God is a great, great God. His character is great. He loves us. He create His creative might is great. And we know that. But we don't often sit, I think, and just contemplate it. David did. David didn't just lay as a, a shepherd out in the field and look up at the sky and think, wow, that's really awesome. David felt that that aha moment, wow, that is really awesome, necessitated a response. And that response is praise. We praise our God. We sing to Him. We pray to Him. But you know what else we need to be doing? That response necessitates telling people about it. When you hear something really cool, don't you want to go tell everybody about it? Yeah, there's a sale going down. David was like, will you please stop telling? He said, you need to stop talking to random people. I'm like, no, honey, they're going to want to know that there's a whole herd of elk over on the other hill if they just keep going. I don't want them to miss it. He's like, they'll see it. It's okay. But when you hear something cool or exciting, don't you want to tell people? How often are we telling people about the character and creative might and concern of our God? And we have it. And we're sitting on it. David says, Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name. And he told us we need to tell others. Thank you so much for your good attention.